Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 3. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. This week... I was reading some church bulletin bloopers, and these are actual mistakes in church bulletins from around the country, like this. The eighth graders will be presenting Shakespeare's Hamlet in the church basement on Friday at 7 p.m. The congregation is invited to attend this tragedy. Scouts are saving aluminum cans, bottles, and other items to be recycled. Proceeds will be used to cripple children. (laughs) For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. (laughs) Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. Thursday night, prayer, potluck, and medication to follow. (laughs) Remember the many who are sick of our church and community. (laughs) A bean supper will be held on Tuesday evening in the church hall. Music will follow. (laughs) The 1991 Spring Council Retreat will be hell May 10th and 11th. Eight new choir robes are currently needed due to the addition of several new members and to the deterioration of some of the older ones. And finally, at the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, What is Hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. (laughs) Now, if you like those, clap your hands. I think that was great. I didn't make these up. I'll give you a copy if you like after service. They're hilarious. And what does that tell us? I'm not really sure, actually. No, actually, it does tell us, and it brings us to clear awareness, that there are no perfect churches. But if there were a perfect church, most certainly we would look to the church that we are going to be studying this morning, the church of Philadelphia. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your love for us. May the Holy Spirit reveal the word to our hearts this morning, and may we go from here being doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all agree by saying a hearty amen. Amen. Well, if you're here for the first time, again, welcome to you, and we have been studying the seven churches that are written to Asia Minor. The church is located in Asia Minor. 
And these seven churches, as we have pointed out time and time again, and I need to point out once again, that they have a multi-level application, or they have a four-fold application. So in other words, as you read these letters, you can apply them on four different levels. First of all, you can apply them locally. Locally, yeah. There were actually a church, a physical body of people located in these cities, just like there's a church here, Calvary Chapel, in Apex. There was a church there in these seven cities. They can be applied locally, but also they can also be applied ecclesiastically. That means the church. In other words, as you read these letters, they apply to the church. The church can learn what we should and should not be doing as a fellowship of believers. Now, how do you know it's written to the church, Rodney? Well, at the end of each letter, we find these words, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, with an S. So they can be applied locally. They can be applied ecclesiastically. They can also be applied personally. In other words, as you read the letters, you can apply them to your life personally, what you should or should not be doing in your life as a Christian. And last but certainly not least, they can be applied prophetically, or they have a prophetic application. That means that these seven letters speak of seven epics in church history that is unfolding prophetically. They have a panoramic view. As you look at the churches, there's a panoramic view of church history given to us in chronological order. So they apply locally, ecclesiastically, personally, and prophetically. And so far, we have covered five of the seven churches, the first of which being the church in Ephesus. This is a church that left, not lost, but left their first love. This is a church that was married to the ministry, but not to the master. There was a real problem in this church at Ephesus. This would be the time period of A.D. 50 to 100. A.D. 50 to 100. And then secondly, we looked at the church of Smyrna, this is the persecuted church, the church that was crushed. And this is the church that Jesus didn't have anything bad to say about them either. This would be the period of 100 to 313 A.D. And then the church of Pergamos. Pergamos means objectionable marriage. This is where Satan married the church. And church and state became bedfellows. This would be the period of 313 to 375 AD. And then the church at Thyatira. Thyatira means continual sacrifice. The period is 600 to 1800 AD. And then last week we looked at the church of Sardis, the remnant that failed to be watchful. And Jesus said, listen, snap out of it. Wake up. Be watchful, because he's going to come. This would be the period of 1500 to the late 1800. So this panoramic view of church history. And Jesus had some pretty hard things to say. If you've been coming, you know that Jesus had some really tough things to say to many of these churches. And I don't know about you, but it's been kind of a bummer. 
it's been kind of depressing, man. I mean, Jesus got all this bad stuff to say about all of these churches. Well, this morning, we actually get a breath of fresh air. Because the church at Philadelphia, Jesus has nothing bad to say about this church. This is a church that is a great church. Nothing bad to say, nothing but good news this morning. So the sixth church we come to, the church of Philadelphia, beginning in verse 7 of chapter 3. If you're there, would you say a hearty amen? And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says he who is holy, underline that, he who is true, underline that, and who has the key of David. He opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Now notice the writer, John, given this revelation of Jesus Christ, he's writing to the angel or the pastor or the messenger to the church of Philadelphia. Now, many of you know that I am from Philadelphia. I love Philly. And when I think of Philly, I think of Philly cheesesteaks, man. I have searched high and low here in the South for a good Philly cheesesteak. Mountains high, valleys low for a good Philly cheesesteak. And I can't find one. It's an awful thing. When I think of Philly, I think of the Sixers and Allen Iverson. When I think of Philly, I think of Rocky Balboa. Adrian! I love you, Adrian! Boom, 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 boom. Adrian! I love Rocky. Rocky's the man, you know? Sorry. But you know that that's not this Philly. The name Philadelphia means the city of brotherly love. This Philadelphia is located 38 miles southeast of Sardis. Philadelphia is the youngest of the seven cities. The city began in 189 BC and was started by a, name, by a man named Eumenes who died and he was succeeded by his younger brother, Attalus of Pergamum. The brothers were so close that Attalus named many new buildings after his older brother. He minted coins with his older brother's image on them. And so the people began to refer to Philadelphia as the city of brotherly love. That's how they got their name. Philadelphia was built with a deliberate intention, and this is important historically for the city. The city was built with the deliberate intention that it might become a missionary city. Also, it was a launching pad to spread the Greek culture and the Greek way of life and the Greek civilization to all the surrounding nations. Philadelphia was a prosperous city, one with Great highways. As a matter of fact, they had one of the greatest highways in the world, a highway that led from Europe to the east. In A.D. 17, a major earthquake destroyed the city, along with other cities, including Sardis. Most of the other cities recovered pretty quickly, but the city of brotherly love continued to have aftershocks and tremors. And this would cause the people to flee into the country because they didn't know when the big one was coming. Today, 
The city of Philadelphia is the town of Alasia. It has a population of 37, approximately 37,000 people. And it is interesting. Jesus has nothing bad to say about this church. And there still is today a group of people, a body of believers in the church of Philadelphia today, which is in, in Turkey. Interesting. Jesus had nothing bad to say about them, and they still gather as a body of people. This was an awesome, awesome, great church. As a matter of fact, most of us want to belong to this church because nothing is said bad by Jesus to this church. What made them a great church? What made them a great church? Well, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Philadelphia was a great church because they were, number one, under the authority of God. They were a great church because they were under the authority of God. Now, you might remember, as I've told you in time past, in the letters to the churches, it is interesting to note, in chapter 1 of Revelation, we have the characteristics of Jesus. And to each church, Jesus or John takes one of those characteristics and applies it to that particular church based on their particular situation or their need. John takes a characteristic of Jesus and applies it to the church. We've talked about that. Well, the church of Philadelphia, that's not so. He doesn't do that. Did you notice in verse 7, to the church of Philadelphia... He simply opens this letter by saying, these things says he that is holy and true. Now, holy is a description of God himself, his very being. Hear me. His very being is holy. His very being, every fiber of who he is, is true. John says, he that is holy and true. His very being is holy. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3 said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Isaiah 43, 15, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. He's holy and he is true. Now, in the Greek language... There are two words translated for true. Remember, the Greek language is an expansive language. They have some 60,000 basic words in the Greek language. That's a lot of words. We have something like 10 or 20,000, something like that. But they have 60, so they have, so some of their words can have two, three, four meanings. For example, love. Love, we know, has four different meanings. So it's such an expansive language. Well, in the Greek language, this word for true has two translations. It better translates, or, or actually has two translations. One of the words true means true and not false. The other means true and not fake. One means true and not false. And the other means true and not fake. Now, the word here for Jesus is holy and true is true and not fake. In other words, John is saying, Jesus is saying that he is the holy and true one. In other words, Jesus is real and genuine. He is the real thing. Now, Coke plagiarized that from Jesus. 
I'm confident. Jesus is the real thing. Jesus is the real deal. He is real. He is genuine. He is authentic. He is not fake. There is no other. Jesus is true in all of who he is. He is the real God and the real man. And the holy and real or true one, notice in your text, holds the key of David. Now, what does that mean? Well, it's a quote taken from Isaiah chapter 22. This guy named Shebna, he was a servant of the king Hezekiah, and he was also the keeper of the keys. Shebna wore this big key ring around his shoulder, and he didn't use his authority. He didn't use those keys to the city for the good of the people. He used it for selfish gain. And the key was ripped off his shoulder and given to Eliakim, who was a godly guy, and he used his authority wisely. And so Eliakim becomes a picture of Jesus, who was dependable. He was a dependable administrator of the affairs of God. And Jesus says he is also the keeper of the keys. He has power and he has authority. Jesus says, I'm the one with the riches and the treasures of the kingdom. And I'm not like Shebna, but I'm the one who will use the treasury to do the work of the kingdom. Jesus is faithful, he's holy, and he's true, and he has the authority that no one can question. He has the authority to open doors and to shut other doors. Jesus has the authority to open the doors of salvation to whom he wishes and to shut the door of salvation to whom he wishes. And that is why he can say, listen, that is why he can say, I am the door. He said that in John. He says, and you can't get to heaven any other way except through me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, no, not anybody can get to heaven except they come through him. So he, Jesus, is the one who holds the key. And he opens and closes as he wishes. And so what made the church at Philadelphia a solid church is that it was, number one, under the authority of the one who is holy, the one who is genuine, the one who is real, who holds the keys to the kingdom, Jesus Christ. In other words, it's a church that is living in submission to Jesus and allows Jesus and his word to be the authority. Now listen, there are a lot of churches who talk about Jesus. There's a lot of churches. I mean, talk about Jesus. But they throw the name of Jesus around like, yeah. In Jesus' name we claim this. In Jesus' name we say this. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And listen, it is one thing to use the name of Jesus but it is another thing to live under the authority of his word. Now, this is where they deny him. And this was what Jesus said, I love about the church at Philadelphia because they kept my word. This is what Jesus loved about them. They didn't just go, Jesus this, Jesus that, all oh, the name of Jesus this, Jesus that. We, our ministry is named Jesus, the name of the ministry is Jesus' name only. 
Jesus says, no. This church was a great church because they lived under the authority. They didn't just speak his name. They lived under the authority of the word of God. Secondly, what made them a great church? Write this down. Because they were given divine opportunity. Divine opportunity? What do you mean, Rodney? Well, look in verse 8 in your text. Notice Jesus says, I know your works. See. Now, you should circle that word. It's a very small but a very important word. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength. Not a lot of strength, not much strength, just a little strength. Have kept my word, that's what you've done, and you have not denied my name. Notice Jesus says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. Now, there are differing opinions as to what the open door means. Keep in mind, remember the history of Philadelphia. They had a great strategic location to be able to take their culture to the surrounding nations. From Europe to the east. And this church, because of their location, they had an ability to be able to also take the gospel to the surrounding nations. So this church had an, a great evangelistic calling. So I believe that this open door is a reference to an open door of ministry. An open door of ministry. In the New Testament, an open door speaks of an opportunity for ministry. We know that from Acts chapter 14. If you're taking notes, write it down, look it up later. Talks about a door of faith to the Gentiles. Colossians chapter 4 verse 3. Paul asked the people of Colossae to pray that God would open a door for the word that he might speak the mysteries of Christ. Again in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, a door was opened to me by the Lord. Paul is talking about a door to preach the gospel. And Jesus is saying to the church of Philadelphia, I have given you not only an open door to take your culture and your way of life to the world, but I've also given you an open door to take the gospel to the world. But this is what you need to do, Philly people. Philly Christians, you need to see the open door. Did you see that? He said, see, I have set before you an open door. See, they needed to see the open door that is in front of them. And we need to see the open door that is in front of us. God has always given us open doors to preach the gospel. He always is. Your friends, if you have a friend, if you have a friend, that's an open door to preach the gospel. You know what I usually do when I meet people? I usually, if I'm outside of this setting, the church, pardon me, I will immediately try to strike up a conversation about godly things. You see, because I'm seeking an open door 
for ministry. You have a friend? That's an open door. Do they know Jesus? If they don't, then that friend becomes your mission field. That is an open door. Listen, you have an open door of ministry if you're in a long line at Harris Teeter. What? Yeah, instead of getting met like up. Come on, new trainee. Oh, I've been here all of 30 seconds. Come, oh, these, where can you get good help nowadays? Oh, come on, lady, I gotta get out of here. Instead, why not look at the person behind you and say, hey, how you doing? New around here? Oh, yeah, 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 me too, I just got here. Go to church? Yeah. No? Oh, okay. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.